Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. The, the, the games are over, but the game never stops. Never stops. This is College Football Overtime with Garrett Chapman and Abe Gordon. Welcome into College Football Overtime. We have a lot to discuss because I say it every single time that we've been on, on, on one of these shows during the offseason. The offseason doesn't exist because college football never sleeps because we have the potential end of the NCAA Super Leagues, all this craziness that is happening across the sport as the Big Ten and the SEC are meeting up to uh, away from the rest of college football to maybe determine the future of the sport. We also have NFL coaches, teams swooping in to the NCAA and potentially stealing away some head coaches and, and other things. And, and I think that that's going to be a very interesting topic that we got to get into. Plus, the Senior Bowl just happened. We got to talk about some of the players and things that stood out. So we have a very jam-packed show right here tonight on College Football Overtime. Before we jump into all of this stuff, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe so you get all of the college football news that you need right here from myself and Abe Gordon, who, how you doing, buddy? We are doing well, man. It's, it's – uh... Like you said, man, it just keeps unraveling somehow. But I'm glad to hear, uh, glad to be here with you to break it all down and discuss it. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem to get any more simple, you know. But let's just let's just break it all down. Let's just let's start here. So last week, you see Tennessee, the state of Tennessee, filing a lawsuit against the NCAA for its NIL rules. Of course, because they are being punished for the the lack of clarity that exists right now with name, image, and likeness, and now. We have a joint committee between the two biggest players in the sport. Greg Sankey of the SEC and Tony Petiti of the Big Ten are setting up an advisory board to basically determine where the sport is going and, and what the things what things are going to happen. And this is where the money is. This is where the best the best programs reside in the Big Ten and in the, and in the SEC, especially after the the way that we saw the Pac-12 dissolve most recently. A lot of those big players like USC, Washington, Oregon, UCLA, they're moving up into the Big Ten. And then in the SEC, of course, you have Texas and Oklahoma moving into the SEC, which has all but eliminated the Big 12 from from major consideration as far as brands are concerned. The Pac-12 obviously doesn't exist anymore, and then the ACC is left scrambling on the outside looking in. But at the end of the day, the Big Ten and the SEC are jumping together. The rivals, putting aside their differences for – what they believe could be the, the best interest of the sport because the NCAA has shown that they are utterly incapable 
of managing this mess that we are in right now. They've been begging Congress to do something instead of actually just doing something themselves. And now the Big Ten and now the SEC, they're going to try to do it themselves. Abe, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? Am I being dramatic when I think that the NCAA could be, maybe not the end of the NCAA, but the end of the NCAA's involvement in college football at the level that we see it now? Could we see it potentially an end to that? Yeah, I, I I do think you're being a little bit dramatic, and, and there might be an end result where that is the eventual answer, uh, but I don't think that's why this joint advisory group, uh, as they're calling it, is coming together. Um, they want to enact change, and there's a couple of areas that I think are going to be obvious where they want to change, um, and, and then there might be a, a couple less obvious things, and, and I think ultimately – if the other schools, the non-SEC and the non-Big Ten schools, agree to the change um, suggested by this group, then no, you won't see the end of the NCAA because the, I mean it, it's just up to the other schools to go along. Now, mm-hmm. if they don't go along, now you start to have a discussion uh, about what this is all about. But I, I think that there are going to be much smaller issues that get tackled immediately, not immediately, but initially, uh, by this group, uh, I, I, look, they're gonna they're, they're, the first thing, in my opinion, their first order of business is going to be to adjust the college football schedule. They need to take a look at the transfer portal, and they need to mm-hmm. take a look at signing day. Um, I, I think we saw the ugly downside of how the schedule works out um, this season because of some of the weird coaching carousels and Alabama mm-hmm. still being in the playoffs and Washington as well, stuff like that. So I, I do think you'll look at the college football schedule as being changed. The other thing, which w- we really don't know what the issues are yet, is it, we're in an interesting time, Garrett. You're sliding into the first year of a 12-team playoff. A- a- yeah. And I think as we see how that plays out, this joint advisory group will also be making suggestions to better the, the world of college football, the landscape of college football, as we determine how this 12-team thing, thing looks and – different areas of that and and then the obvious the nil the long-term sustainability of that model will be addressed as well but look i I don't think they want to get rid of the ncaa uh i don't think the sec and the big 10 are trying to kill it off i actually think they want it so they can place blame throughout the plot or the process i'm just being honest so they can place the brain uh, the blame I, i mean always have a fall guy right that that's the whole plan um and, and and look, if the other member institutions of the NCAA go along with the the actions that come out of this group, then I, no, I don't think the NCAA is going to be killed off. I think it's in a situation where they don't go along, right? Uh, when you've got the thirty-eight or, or or however many thirty-two, whatever the number is, thirty-four uh, member institutions, yeah, between these two conferences against the rest of these schools. Uh, I think if they start butting heads, I think that's where you might see, um, you know, a pull away from the NCAA. But as long as the other institutions who are not part of this joint advisory group go along with the suggestions of the the, the joint advisory group, I don't think the NCAA is going anywhere. I, I also, like I said, I, I just don't think the first issue they're going to tackle is NIL and collectives and like this big grandiose change. I think there are things that are going to be easier to enact that they will look at immediately and the first one like i said being the the college football schedule yeah i i think that's one of the more pressing issues but 
I, I know you talk about the 34 member institutions and how like they're relying on potentially on these other institutions that aren't within that th that the group of 34, right. if you will. I, I I don't know how or why those teams would not follow along with whatever those schools decide. I mean, yeah, Greg I agree. Sankey and Tony Petiti are the most powerful people in college football, period. Not Baker, not anybody else. Nobody else. They everybody else pales to what those two are able to able to do. And they make a very interesting pair too. Just you go back to the base of like where those two come from. Sankey, of course, he's he's spent years in higher education. And then Petiti was a, a what worked in Major League Baseball. He was a television executive. He know he knows where the money is. They make for a, a very, very dynamic pairing. And look, they're the most powerful institutions in college football. I mean, you're talking about Michigan and Ohio State and USC and like all of these big programs up north. And then you come down south and you have every single one of the major programs except for Florida State. And Florida State is right now trying their damnedest to get out of the ACC and get into one of those two conferences. They understand what's going on. They know the, the writing is on the wall right now. And, and that's the thing. It's like I don't know if necessarily the NCAA is going to go away completely. Of course, they're going to be there to manage – maybe the, the other sports like swimming and diving and March madness and everything else that they do. But as far as their involvement in and around college football, they've been relatively obsolete for a little while. And I, I don't see why the other institutions, why wouldn't the ACC follow suit? Why wouldn't the big 12 follow suit? I don't know if they would survive at that same level. If they have to go head to head, like TV deal wise with the sec and the big 10, I don't know how they survive that. Because if I'm Florida State, I'm gone. And as soon as I'm able to get out, I'm gone. If I'm Clemson, I'm gone. So they're they're not able to sustain because they would then lose their best programs. Because every one of the big programs would want to get in with this group of 34 teams. It's just, it's something that has been a long time coming. And Dennis Dodd actually wrote a very interesting piece. And... He, he let his mind wander a little bit, and, and he threw up four things that they could choose to tackle right now. Um, so four things right here. I'll just read them off right here. So he said they could easily combine to carve out a piece of their media rights revenue to share with the athletes, which effectively would make them employees, and, and they would collectively bargain. I know we've talked about that on this podcast here multiple times. I won't jump too far into that, but that's a big deal, of course, because they're not employees, and in this model they would be. They could decide essentially on their own to offer 100 scholarships instead of 85. I know that's been one of the, the things that college coaches discuss all the time. And they almost certainly will demand an unequal share of revenue when the new college football playoff media rights contract is signed. And they could sign up a title sponsor for their endeavors to draw in even more revenue. The CFP and the Final Four don't even do that. So there is tons and tons of money that is on the line potentially in this deal. So if I'm those other institutions, and all this goes back to what I was trying to say in the first place, every one of these other schools is, would be foolish not to try to jump in on this and try to capitalize as best they can. Yeah, a, a couple things. Um, I, I think it's a dangerous precedent for the SEC and the Big Ten to focus on the financial aspect of this um, because then you do start to, to find ways to push out the other schools, and I don't think that's the result that they want, um, even if it would make more money for them. So I, mm -hmm. I think a couple of things along those lines, this has to be about the betterment of the sport. It, it cannot be about maximizing profit. It, 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 and I, I, I think 
that is what the goal is, but ultimately is that how it ends up? And so that's why I think you'll start to see some football-related adjustments before you get into the financials of NILs, collectives, maximizing, all that stuff. Because I agree with you. If they're making football-related decisions, the other institutions who are not part of this group would likely go along with it, right? Because it makes sense. It's for the betterment of the sport. When they start to make financial decisions to maximize their profit, that might work inversely for the other schools. It might be minimizing their profit. It might be taking away from their pockets. So I, I do think there is a danger here when you get further down the road and you got the sport itself maybe where you want it to be. And and then you start to just try and add money, add money, add money. Because that is where I think a divide, a further divide starts to happen. So um, that that to me is where it could get dangerous for, for the mm-hmm. sport. Because uh, what we don't want to have is the SEC and Big Ten playing each other and, and anyone else is playing this separate kind of other other season uh we got to keep this thing together and and so that's my hope for this Garrett is that is this is purely about the betterment of the sport it does not turn into a situation where it becomes about maximizing profit um Mm -hmm. but we all know money rules the worlds in a perfect uh, world (laughs) yeah and and uh look these are these are for-profit institutions make no bones about that um and, and so ultimately is that where it's headed Probably, uh, but but we just hope there's not too much damage done along the way as they try to figure that out. I, I, I just think that at the end of the day, all this, this is the first step of the killing off of the NCAA. I just think it's premature because I agree with you. I think these schools are going to go along with what the SEC and Big Ten suggest. It, it mm-hmm. seems like it would be in their best interest to try and keep college football as we talk about it, right? As we're talking about everyone, five power five conferences or, or four, whatever you want it to be. Because um, once they go against this joint advisory group, now you're starting to talk about the power two separating and sure. it becomes uh, it becomes a totally different game at that point. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're long past the, the identity. So we talk about, the, we had the power five and now we, some people call it the power four. It really is just a power two. I mean, I mean, we, we can sit here and pretend that the ACC and the, and the big 12 bring as much to the table as these other two conferences. And look, they, they, they play football. They do a great job and they have some good teams and, and they have programs with, with lots of history and tradition. And that's great, but the best and biggest are in these two conferences. And it's, it's long been that way. And, and it's, it's even going to be, it's going to be exaggerated here in 2024 uh, w- with these new additions. But, I mean, at the end of the day, this is about putting an end to this conga line of issues that the NCAA has had. Like, we've got lit- never-ending litigation about name, image, and likeness. We have the antitrust. We have tra- transfer stuff. And then on, on top of this injunction that they're they're being hit with, we could we could be less than two weeks away from having all of the key regulations governing player compensation and player movement in college sports being declared illegal in the courts. Like – this we are in just such a weird spot in all of college athletics right now. And I, I just don't know. The NCAA has just failed mightily. And, and I just don't have any faith in, in what they can do right at this point. So the sooner we stop making believe and, and pretending that there are really 130 teams that belong at that top level of college football, the better off we're going to be. I, I mean, 
there really isn't any excuse for for even like a Georgia Southern, my alma mater, to be playing up at the highest level and, and with these these bigger programs. Yes, they're both Division One F football subdivision teams, but that doesn't mean they have the same budget. That doesn't mean they have the same following nationally. That doesn't mean that they have the same types of stadium and everything else. You know, and and when the biggest teams break off, I, I don't think it's necessarily going to be my favorite thing. It's this new era of college football, but it just seems to be the direction that we're heading. Yeah, I really hope you're wrong. Uh, I hope I'm wrong too. Yeah, I know. I know you do. And look, it's again, for me, it's one thing if we break away from the NCAA with a bunch of teams, more teams than are in the Big Ten and SEC. It's a totally different discussion if it's just the Big Ten and SEC breaking away. If we wanted to do a breakaway in terms of Power Five versus Group of Five, I think we can get away with that. Um, but what you can't have is just 35 teams or, or, or 40 teams. I think you're going to need the 60 teams uh, and upwards of that to to, to kind of be involved here. I, I just I don't want to get into a situation where it's just the Big Ten and SEC as we know it today, and they're doing their own little thing and everyone else is yeah. playing uh, for whatever championship they have. So I, if you are going to break away, you, you are going to have to now we do get into that whole idea of the super conferences and, and this mm-hmm. and that, and and you're going to have to um, really upscale things because it can't just be the Big Ten and SEC. See, I disagree with that, though, because the networks in the market itself have already dictated that it's that they'd be willing no, to pay but, for but, that product. But I'm not talking about the money aspect here. That's again, that goes back to where I think you get into a dangerous we have to play, adjust, but the money is the biggest thing that, that no, I, I, I see, but this, this is where I think you're getting lost in the plot too. And, and this is what my concern is, is this joint advisory group can't be thinking along those lines. I, I agree with you. The money dictates and the market dictates and the networks mm-hmm. dictate and all that stuff. I think they need to fight against that for the betterment of the sport, because I, I do think if that's where this heads and, and that is my concern, from from the get go here, um, I, I think it is not for the betterment of the sport to have thirty teams, thirty five teams playing for one title and and, mm-hmm. and hundred whatever playing for a totally separate title with the ACC and, and the Big Twelve and and the Mountain West and and whatever. Sure. Uh, if you're going to do this, if you're going to follow this this breakaway or whatever, you've got to add a bunch more teams. It can't be about 35 teams, two conferences doing their own little thing over here and the rest of the college football world over there. I, th- that's my concern. And I, and you're sloppy. right. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, it but just, they, the point is they have the leverage to do it. That's oh, they the certainly can. I, I, yeah, I they, totally they, agree. They leverage could. Yeah. is everything. So all they have to do is threaten it because they could do it. The market is what I was saying is like the money. I think they, there, I the actually think there. they lose value. They can do it. Ultimately, I, I, it's not in the best interest of college football and college athletics. I don't think, I don't it's, think it's in their best interest. It's not in their best interest. Probably um, not. But it's you, you, like, you, like I said, it's leverage. It it pushes them to accept whatever I would call them. I, you know what? Honestly, Garrett, I, I don't think it is. I, I would call their bluff if I'm the other schools. I I, I think you're I losing it. If it's just the SEC and the Big Ten, Big Ten, sorry, um, you lose a 12 team playoff, which makes way too much money. You're not going to put 12 <clears> teams <throat> out of 34 into a playoff. Um, I, I, I actually think it, it would it would work poorly if we're being honest. I do think you would the, the games are the games, but I, I actually don't think it would work out as well as some other people. I, I just think if you're just 35 teams playing on your own little thing, um, it's gonna lose value. It, it's gonna lose value. 
you're not going to feel the same. Well, the other thing about the 12-team playoff, the 12-team playoff is only in in consideration for this year and this year alone. It is not. They're not going to get Derek. Come on. They're They're not not going backwards. I'm just telling you. I'm not not saying they will. But they're not going backwards. I'm just saying there's no contract in place. Okay, who cares? They're not going backwards. They can go right back to four teams. Do do you think that's what's going to happen? No, I don't think that's okay. What's they're happen. not I going think they, I think these other teams are going to join on. So I think it's 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 almost a moot point. What like I was talking about though, it's it's the leverage of the situation because they can. I, I don't, do I'm that. not sure they have leverage. I, I don't think they. I don't think they are maximizing profit by pulling away. I really don't. It wouldn't be maximizing profit, but they would. But it's all about control. I, control is a big deal for this. I I don't know, man. Like I, when I when I the more I think about it, the more they need these other teams. Why? Because I think when you're just 35 teams doing your own little league, it's it, it, it's not the same. It, it's not going to be college football. No. Um, it, it, it's I, I just don't think you're maximizing profit there. I, I think the thought process would be we can set, set our own thing, but like you're also not competing with anyone else and the market may actually go down at that point. Um, I'm not sure. I I think you're, you're, we have to think of these as professional teams at this, at this juncture, these are effectively professional teams and and it works at the, at the professional level. I mean, we have 32 NFL teams. We have 30 MLB teams. You have 32 NHL teams, right? I, I mean, it works for them. It seems like a pretty strong number and you check, just about every region off of the list, right? You you hit the the Southwest. You with te- I guess if you include Texas, but you hit Southern California in, in in the Pacific Northwest. You hit the the Midwest. You hit the Southeast. You hit the Northeast, and you hit the East Coast. You hit everything. You hit all just about every corner of the. Of yeah, the I don't think it's about the region though. I, I think it's no, about I'm, isolating thirty something teams, and how big of a change. Football. Like it, it, it would it would cease to be college football, but. I mean, I, I just I don't I it, I think when we talk about maximizing finances that they actually need the smaller teams whether they are aware of that or not is a separate story. Mm-hmm. I I think this would be um I think it would be a big mistake if just two conferences pulled away. I think it would be a I, big mistake. I hope, I hope it ends up not it doesn't end up getting to that level. It it's won't. Really it, it won't. It's never going to be two I conferences. Well. Like I I I agree with you. The thing is I if they do pull away from the NTAA, it will be involving the other institutions mm-hmm. to some extent. Not not all of them. Not you know you're not taking all the group of fives, but you're not pulling away and leaving Florida State uh, and leaving Clemson and leaving a number of the Big Twelve, Arizona. Like you're you're just not. You're good. You're you're gonna add. Like I said, you can't do it with thirty five teams. You talk about sixty though, or sixty four. Now mm-hmm. we now we start to have a discussion. Um, but it, it just won't work with 34, 35 teams. I think in a perfect world, in a perfect world, we do see something like that happen. Um, yeah. and, and of course, we would see the end of likely the SEC and the Big Ten and the, and the Big 12, at least the names, the monitors. Yeah, by name, sure. Yeah, by name, they're going to probably go away. But the new era of college football is certainly set to be a very confusing one. Um but hopefully we get some clarity here soon. I mean, of course, the the, the courts are, are going to be deciding their stuff. So we'll see what happens with all of this random news and changing and shifting that happens in college football. But the end of the NCAA is probably not on the horizon, but it, the writing is on the wall. So we'll see. 
We'll see what ends up happening. I think I was being a, probably a little bit dramatic. They're still going to have a role at some point. Well, and look, look, it's not just you, by the way. There, there are plenty no, I mean, of other people, people have... who are suggesting. I, I just, yeah. I just think there, 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 there's a big conclusion, Matt, that they're they're all on top of, and I, I just don't think that's, it, 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 that's just not the first order of business is not to pull away and become your own thing and and kill the NCAA. There, there's actual things that can be fixed within the sport to the benefit of all of the schools that I think they're going to focus on. So it, it'll start there and maybe, maybe down the road, we'll, we'll, we'll threaten that some more. I hope so. And, and hopefully we get some answers from these guys. And, yeah. I mean, they're the two biggest players in the sport. So we'll see if the, uh, those two can get together, put their brains together and come up with some solutions uh, where the NCAA has created problems, but let's move into some of our other discussion for the after for the, for, for today, senior bowl down in Mobile, Alabama, the national, a nationals, a national beats American 16 to seven. Spencer Rattler was named the MVP. He had a pretty good day on Saturday. He actually had a pretty good week. Really? Tyke Smith was uh, named the defensive MVP, the safety from Georgia. He, uh, he also had a pretty good game. He had an interception and um, played pretty well. You know, uh, what are your thoughts on the senior bowl in general? I, I know, I know I, I stand kind of meh with it. I mean, of course, as a Falcons fan, I mean, I understand. I remember Rashid Hageman and uh, all of the hype that came out of him or from when he was coming in from Minnesota. Uh, the, the Atlanta Falcons, of course, that year were the coaching staff down there at the Senior Bowl. But I don't know. Who, who was the coaching staff this year? Uh, the Jets, was, the Bears, I think, and I'm not the Bears sure. Bears was yeah. last year. I think it was yeah, Bears I'm not sure who year. else. I think it was the Jets, but I could okay. be wrong. But the point is, the point is, um, what, what are your thoughts on this? Anything yeah, yeah, I, I mean, for me, it's just it's not about the game. Like the performances are cool, whatever. But like, it's about the practice. It, it's about mm -hmm. seeing good on good. Um, receiver versus cornerback. Um, o line versus D line. Um, it, it's about the lead up to the game, the practices, and and that's why I was so disappointed we didn't see um, Michael Penix throw a little bit mm -hmm. more and do do a couple things. But um, you know, honestly, the combine is, is where the quarterbacks, I think, get after it. This to me is less a quarterback event, which is what makes it interesting because quarterbacks drive the sport. That's where all the discussion is, certainly at the top of the draft. Um, mm -hmm. But to me, it's interesting because this is not a quarterback driven event. It's great to have the quarterbacks that you have. And there are quarterbacks from the middle or back of the pack that I think benefit more than the top guys do, uh, like your Spencer Rattlers, your Michael Pratt's. Um, even Bo Nix, who was out there um, spinning it a little bit. But to me, it's interesting to see the other guys that can play their way into the first round um, from from the receivers, the the cornerbacks, the O-line, the D-line. And so I really enjoy the lead-up and the practices much more than the games themselves. Yeah, I, I don't I don't, I don't, take the – I didn't watch the game. I don't mm -hmm. know if you could tell <laughs> from that. Because I, I, you don't pick a lot – like you said, like you don't pick up yeah. a lot. From the game itself, I mean, of course, you, you people change when you, you have live bullets coming. But, I mean, just as far as individual standouts, I mean, Lad McConkey took out took a lot of yeah. uh, praise out uh, from this week. I mean, he he's going to be a steal for somebody. Uh, I know, I mean, he's been, just at his time at Georgia, He's people, people are going to call him a sneaky athlete or whatever. No, the dude's a baller. Dude can find space. He runs routes very effectively. He's kind of like a... Um, like a Calvin Ridley almost the way he's able to just sort of, he's just so smooth, smooth, man. And I think he's going to make a team very, very happy. Uh, Peyton Wilson's another one from NC state, the linebacker. He had a big week. A lot of people see him as a day two pick, maybe in the second round, maybe the third, but 
I don't know, man. He was very, very effective when he was in NC State. He won a lot of awards. I think he was an All-American last year. Uh, so I, I think there, there are a number of people. But, of course, like you said, the quarterbacks are going to steal all the attention because they're, it's a quarterback-driven league. But I like the, the way you put it, how it's not. It's a quarterback-driven league, but not a quarterback-driven event. Uh, mm-hmm. It gives out a lot of people's chan- a chance to shine. But I, I do. I did hear the, the quarterbacks didn't impress all that much. Uh, Sam Hartman played very poorly on Saturday. He was like six of 25 or something. Played very poorly on a couple Saturdays this Dude. season. And that's why yeah, they he sure did. That's what, it, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, you get, you get guys like Toledo's, uh, Quenyon Mitchell, um, yeah. the cornerback who, who maybe had the best week of all leading it through the practices. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's just about those other stories, the other guys. So I can certainly appreciate that. And, and mm-hmm. look, there are guys I've never heard of. Like, like, I know we cover the sport, but but there are guys I've never heard of that are going to be first rounders. And, and so for this yeah. to be one of the first opportunities to get a look at them, um, you know, you see a couple names that you've read on mock drafts. It's interesting to see um, what they do, especially good on good when it's receiver, cornerback, or O-line, D-line drills. Yeah, another one that, uh, that, that apparently stood out was Luke McCaffrey, the little brother of Christian McCaffrey. He had two nice catches in the game. Uh, including a one-handed grab. So if, if he's anything like his older brother, then he, he's going to make some team very Let me, happy. Let me help you out. He's not anything like his older brother. I don't think okay. he is. I mean, he Let me, let me just make that a, clear. I want to see he was at Michigan, and then he transferred over to uh, to where he is now or where he just graduated, I guess, from Rice. Speaking of uh, Michigan, Roman Wilson had a pretty good week, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he had a couple circus player, catches. Man. Good stuff. So he, he may have played himself. Um, he may be a first-rounder as well. Who knows? We'll see if he actually plays up into that first round, but uh, he could be, he could play right up into that back end of that first round. I, I, he's a great player, man. I, I still remember when he was playing in that national title game. Uh, well, not the national title game, not the one I'm referencing, but that final drive against Alabama in the Rose Bowl instead, in the, not the national title game, the Rose Bowl. And he was critical on that drive with JJ McCarthy on that march down the field. If it wasn't for two of his plays, they don't, they don't score that touchdown. They don't force overtime. Uh, dude has played big time football games. And I think that the players who have played in those types of games, everyone benefits, everyone benefits, but did you have any other big thoughts or anything, any takeaways from this before we move on? No, I, I you know, the, the other thing about the senior bowl, I always found interesting is we always hear about people who boost their draft stock. It feels yeah. like we never hear about anyone who lowered their <laughs> stock. And I, I just don't know how that works, but that seems to be the case. Yeah. And, uh, We'll see. We'll see. Uh, someone, someone's probably going to get drafted because of a great performance, but uh, yeah, I sure. think it's a, it's a great, just more exposure. And it's a good, good thing for these athletes. Nagy's done a great job down there with that program. So let's move into some of the, our last dip bit of news for today. NFL teams are swooping into the college ranks. Um, no surprise, of course, with all of these, the, the uncertainty and craziness of the sport that, it, that, it, that is right now. Why not move up to the sports highest level? The two biggest ones, of course, are Chip Kelly and Ryan Grubb. Chip Kelly, of course, the head coach of the UCLA Bruins as they move into the Big Ten next year. And Ryan Grubb, the brand-new offensive coordinator for the Alabama Crimson Tide after he followed uh, Frank De- or Kalen DeBoer over from uh, from Washington. So he is getting interest uh, with the, the Seattle Seahawks as their offensive coordinator spot is open. Chip Kelly just interviewed with the Las Vegas Raiders almost called them Oakland, and uh, he apparently also has some interest with the uh, the excuse me the Commanders gig. So makes sense to me, but 
Alabama's in a really weird spot. So that's that's the one I really want to focus on first. They're not used to having all of this uncertainty with their coaching staff. And if Nick Saban retires suddenly, that's always going to throw you for a bit of a loop. Kalen DeBoer comes in, and now he's about to lose his offensive coordinator. And there's just it's an interesting time over there in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, we'll see if it ultimately happens or not. Uh, look, Saban had had to go through this quite a bit with, with his OCs. Uh, they were always taking uh, head coaching jobs, but th- this is a slightly different story because uh, one, they didn't have a season in which Grubb showed what he can do. He's just he's just going to potentially leave. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, you're doing it for for a similar gig at the NFL level. You're not doing it. Uh, to become a head coach. And, and certainly that is something that is out of the ordinary uh, to recent years, um, but seems to be something that is becoming a lot more customary now. We Even to the point where you've got a head coach in the ACC leaving to become a coordinator in the NFL. So a step down to go up to the pro level. We're talking about Jeff Halfley there, Boston College. Yeah. And and so it, it is a very interesting time, but for DeBoer specifically to this story, if if Grubb does get pulled away, uh, very interesting because um, that 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 is not the way you want to start your your head coaching regime trying to replace assistants already. It it is already going to be difficult to to whatever you want to try and keep Alabama on the level that they've been at, but uh, replacing an OC when the hiring cycle is mostly already done, uh, you're going to have to convince someone to leave at this point for your opening. It'll be very interesting to see if it does play itself out. But the other aspect of this Garrett, and it goes back to Halfley, but also the chip Kelly's of the world who, I mean, look, he was almost fired this year reportedly anyways. So don't blame him if he's, you know, on the way out, but, You've got a situation where coaches are not necessarily as into the college game as they once were. And the changes in the time, the era that we are in college football with the transfer portal and with NIL and recruiting and everything that goes into not just being a football coach. I'm not sure I can blame guys for for yeah. trying to find a spot in the NFL and just putting all the college BS aside because it it is just too much to be doing the exact same thing you could be doing at the NFL level in college with all that other stuff. Some guys are built for it. Some guys love it, but uh, it's not for everyone. So I don't think this is the last time we'll see um, decisions that are made like this, whether it's becoming a coordinator or going even from a head coach to a coordinator, stuff like that. Yeah, and, and the biggest one who who could move from head coach, of course you mentioned Halfley, but Chip Kelly is yeah. It's been a it's been a brutal offseason for the Bruins. Of course, they're moving into the Big Ten next year. They're down 39 spots from where they were last year in the recruiting rankings. They're 68th. 68th. That's terrible. And and of course, you, you just lost Dante Moore. You just lost your defensive coordinator to USC. You just lost two of your top defensive players in Kamari Ramsey and John Humphrey to go play for USC as well. Dude, they're, they're already they're, they're lagging in the name, image, and likeness space. And it's only going to get tougher. You're moving out of the Pac-12 and into the Lions' den that is the Big Ten. So Kelly flirting with the NFL right now is about as bad as it could get for UCLA. And 
like it's not really a demotion i don't think i mean it, do you see it as a demotion even if you're going head coach to just offensive coordinator do you see yeah, it as demotion? I, 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 I guess it would be yeah i mean it's not a demotion but i, I do think it's a step I'm, down um now in, in kelly specifically i understand it like we talked about it we talked about it in the seat like if you're if your school's holding conversations to to fire you and and then they retain you for a year like like obviously there's not much of a future there anyways so i don't blame him for looking to get out um but but yeah i, I think going from a head coach to a coordinator um is a step down but sure. you know th- th- this is a two steps forward one step back I, I i mean it's a step down for the moment um but if it ultimately leads to an nfl head coaching gig which i, I assume is the goal for some of these guys um then then yeah i i I mean it makes sense yeah and 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 at the end of the day it's ucla probably made a mistake by not firing chip kelly yeah you you can't have those reports reports, come out yeah once reports come out like that and and the world knows that he's kind of a dead man walking yeah and then you kind of let him keep going it's a disservice to your institution it's a disservice to your players and you can see why the recruiting recruiting suffered mightily um, but of course you're moving into the big 10 and they just wanted somebody to scapegoat for next year. And that's yeah. probably what it was, but what it ends up doing is it's a disaster. And now you could lose your head coach in February after all of the, the, the entire cycle has already happened. So you're going to be getting somebody's crumbs, uh, just whatever's left. And that's what UCLA is going to be getting. And that's the guy who's going to be taking you into the big 10 next year, instead of the guy that you, sh- you should have fired in November. And look, it's not because Chip Kelly's a bad coach. I mean, look, they were eight and five this past year. They were a good program. Like they were fine. Like they weren't super great. I mean, they they kind of disappointed down the stretch, but they had a strong defense. And and uh, I don't know. They just sort of fell apart. Once you want a real a real spin wheel cycle here? What if Chip Kelly leaves and they actually give the head coaching job to Grub, uh, who was considered for the Washington job? I, I mean. Brother. Well, I mean, you're trying to you're trying to find I hires. I, I mean, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. No offense to Grub. I mean, he knows the West Coast, I guess. Um, I think I think he was seriously considered at Washington. So you know, it. I don't know if he was. You don't think so? I don't think so. Uh, they moved past him pretty quickly. He interviewed, I, I think, but then they moved on pretty quickly. Yeah. Um. I mean, he's on the younger side, right? He's like what, thirty five or something. He's not, he's not super, super old. He seems um, to be college football's Ben Johnson, if you will, in terms of just like a hot up and coming guy. So who knows? Sure. But you yeah, know. I mean, you're right. Like, like if, if, if this happens, like it's one thing for Kalen DeBoer to have to replace a coordinator. I think you could find that. It's a totally different thing for UCLA to have to find a head coach at this yep. point. After we just went through a, a dual cycle, if you will, um with alabama washington and and to a lesser extent michigan because they kind of figured their own thing out but um we just saw how the cycle gets difficult and how jobs may or not be there i I mean jed fish and like the the guy from what san diego or whatever it was san jose san jose state State, like I, i mean it's just like yeah, that, that's not the position you want to be in at this time of year, um, especially right now. As you're like, uh, uh, I mean, when is signing day? Is that this week? Yeah, it's this week. I it's mean, imagine he gets hired like over the next 36, 48 hours, and you're like right up at signing day. You're like, well, 
okay, never mind then. So it's a strange yeah, world we're in. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because it also opens that 30-day transfer window. Oh, it's a uh, mess. And you'll see. It will be a total mess. It's they, a complete they, mess. Yeah, they got to figure something out. They, they, I mean, you go back to the what we talked about at the start. But mm. coaches leaving and, and people just uh, – but that's a tough that's a tough thing to deal with too. So Yeah. Yeah, well, college, college football is in a weird spot, and we're going to continue talking about it right here on the College Football Overtime Podcast throughout the course of this offseason. So make sure you're liking and subscribing and jumping in and joining the conversation. If you got a comment, drop it below. But Abe Gordon, that was a lot of fun. We're gonna have yeah, to man. It, look, it's it's just one of these things where this this one especially, this SEC Big Ten thing is, is going to be something that you and I uh, revert back to quite a bit over the next yeah. couple of years um, if college football survives for the next couple of years as we know it. But, Let's see. Uh, yeah, th- we'll this see is one. the next two weeks, man. Yeah, but but this is something that that – Unlike some of the other stories we ultimately discuss, um, this one I do think has uh, some momentum to enact actual change and make a difference in the sport. So it'll be interesting to see what their focus is and how things play out for them. And it has legs, and it'll start running here very soon. And we'll keep you apprised on all of that right here on the College Football Overtime Podcast. Make sure you like, make sure you subscribe, and we'll see you again very soon. For Abe Gordon, my name is Garrett Chapman. We're signing off. We'll see you next time.